Hi, it's Dan from Desert Island Dicks. Uh, if you can hear a bit of background noise, that's because the window's open because it's a hot day. It's one of those hot days we had recently that uh, you may have heard about. People mentioned it a bit, didn't they, at the time? And uh, I've just finished recording this podcast here with Ellie White and I had to have the window closed and I was all hot. So now we've finished recording and the window's open and it's slightly more bearable. Anyway, look, that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is that Ellie White is the guest on today's episode, and uh, she was fantastic. She's really good in pretty much anything you see her in. She's in Stafflet's Flats. Her and Natasha Dimitriou have a show called Ellie and Natasha, and that's on BBC Three on iPlayer at the minute. And again, it's really good, really funny. She's a funny person, as this chat hopefully will demonstrate to you. I certainly had a very nice time. So, um... That's what's happening here today. Before you listen to that, assuming you don't skip past this bit, I just want to say um, thanks for downloading it. And if you could subscribe and give us a rating and a review, that would be really nice. Uh, It really helps us a lot. And it would make a young man very happy. I don't know which young man that is, but I've been told. A young man contacted us on Twitter and he said it would make him happy. So, you know, let's just make this young man happy for one last time and do the right thing. I don't know what I'm saying anymore, so I'm going to leave you to listen to Desert Island Dicks with Ellie White. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is actor, comedian and writer and one half of the very funny Ellie and Natasha. It's Ellie White. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much for that stunning introduction. (laughs) You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on. It's lovely to have you here. Daniel Benedictus is a really, really good name. I mean, it sounds like kind of a Roman emperor. It's something to do, like my dad's side of the family were Jewish and the name used to be Baruch, which means blessed in Hebrew. And then they moved to Holland at some point and wanted to sound more Catholic and less Jewish. And so they just swapped it to the the Catholic version of that. Yeah, it's great. It's good as an adult. But when you're a kid, you know, having a surname with Dick in the middle of it, you know, you've got Benedictus, Benedictus, Bendedictus. So as as a kid, you're like, I hate my name. And everyone goes, oh, no, it's a wonderful surname. And then as you get older, you're like, oh, yeah, it's all right. I've got an uncle called Benedict. And uh, yeah, everyone used to call him Bendy Brick at school. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Endless. My my grandma had, sorry, this is already segueing. My grandma had nine children and she called two of them Ben. Wow. I always find that bizarre. That's mad. Yeah. Ran out of notes. <laughs> Just by the time you had nine, you're probably so tired. You know, I don't I don't even care. <laughs> I mean, I've got two kids and I end up calling them like mixing up their names with the yeah. cat's name. And yeah. so I mean if I had nine, I'd just give up. I'd just just number them. Just call them one and two, yeah. And 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 leave it at that. At college I went to school with two people, uh, brother and sister, and they were both called Joe. You know, Josephine and Joseph. That's wild. And I used to know two twins called William and Wilfred. So they were both called Will and they were identical twins. Right. Yeah, that's that's no foresight there at all. It's, it's just, it's wild. It's wild decision making. And I, I kind of respect it in a way. 
Yeah, there's a part of that when you're a parent, you go, oh, wait, it's my turn. I can just call them fucking anything. <laughs> At one point before we had kids, we thought about calling them one of them Hercules just for fun because we were just having a stupid conversation about really bad kids' names. We were like, what about Hercules? And we were like, oh, I quite like that. Yeah. And then we got so into it that when we bought a cat, we called the cat Hercules just to take it off the table for safety. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's wise to deflect that onto your animals. Yeah, I think I think that animals are like great vessels for trying out like weird or or shit names. My mum wants to call my brother Jaffet, Jaffet, and it's like, <laughs> like what planet are you on, woman? <laughs> Jaffet, like he would have had the worst life. <laughs> so, I've never even heard that name. No, it's I just... don't think it's real. Like, it can't be real. It sounds like a product. Don't put up with it, Jaffet. <laughs> Um, Ellie, as I said, you know, we are going to move on to things that we dislike or you particularly dislike. Yeah. You know, we're having a nice time here. You seem like an upbeat person. You like to make people laugh. Do you find <laughs> it easy to rant about stuff? Are you, are you someone who likes to vent about things? No, or? I don't. You know what? I Actually, a lot of things do make me angry, but I find that halfway through a rant about them, I'll feel really um, anxious about what that person or that thing like might do if I if they hear that I'm like angry about them for instance like last night my neighbors they had a party in their garden which like I so my flat backs onto like a big sort of estate essentially and they had a a party in their garden that went on all night Mm. all night till five in the morning and they set up a DJ booth with a man on a microphone at 1am. Wow. That's when it started. <laughs> and this guy was shouting down the mic, like, all the ladies, all the ladies, let me hear ya. It was honestly, it was the wildest, it was a Monday. Yeah. Just, just so the listeners know, it was a Monday night. And I was like turned into like a shriveled wreck of like an old woman. <laughs> I was like, my hands were like claws. They were so tense. <laughs> and I, I just I had no idea what to do. I was so baffled. I was so baffled and angry by the fact that these people were like so obnoxious that on a Monday night they could have a party like that. But on the other side, part of me was like, well, you know, <laughs> they're just living their lives. <laughs> like they're, they're having fun. Something's obviously, you know, caused them to have a party mate at someone's birthday. They're all having a good time. So just accept the fact that they're having a good time. They're not causing anyone any like specific bodily harm. They're just causing you a huge amount of anger. Mm. So it was, so I, I do find it hard to be like, you know, cause really probably I should have just marched over and told them to turn their music down. But there was a voice in my head going, well, come on Ellie, like they're having a good time. And it's probably just cause I'm, you know, soft and pathetic. But <laughs> What I mean is I find ranting quite difficult because it's usually accompanied by an inner monologue that's like, well, it's not really their fault. Come on, like, chill out. <laughs> okay. Well, look, we can start and we'll see how we get on. Yeah. I'm just, I'm slightly taken aback by the sort of energy that it takes to have a party like that on a Monday on the hottest day of the year or the hottest day on record. It's just unbelievable. It was wild. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, 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 my, the things that I've like selected for this aren't necessarily things that I hate and the more things that I'm kind of uh, that I sort of revere okay in a in a like in in a I don't really hate I don't really hate anyone (laughs) (laughs) all right well let's see who's who's going to be the first person joining you on the island then 
So, so this is, yeah, as I say, this is less of something that I hate and more something that I would hate to be around okay. on a desert island. And it is very specific. And if you haven't seen this film, you will have no idea what I'm talking about. So I really hope the majority of people know what I'm talking about. It is the alien in Men in Black when he crawls into the man's skin and becomes a sort of hillbilly farmer. Yes, yes, I know the one. And he's kind of, this is, I mean, this is a visual thing, but he, yeah. sort of, he's kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. That's a really, actually, I was, no one can, no one can see you right now, but when you do that, you do look really <laughs> like <laughs> He like contorts it. The actor that plays it needed, needed to have an Oscar, but he like contorts his face. So it's like, it's almost like inverted into his body and he can't walk and he twitches. And I remember as a child being, absolutely fucking like scared to the point of like violently shaking mm. when I was watching that film. Yeah. This isn't a very funny choice by any means, but I think if I was stranded on a desert island, I would find that incredibly tough. Yeah. Cause he's sort of a bit like a zombie in a way, isn't it? It's sort of like, there's that weird jerky inhumane sort of movement. Like he's quite big as well, isn't he? Sort of- he's big. He has like a presence that is like very sort of magnetic. Like I would, I would find it really, I would really struggle to like kill him because I'd be like, well, he's going to come back to life because he's like a kind of cockroach. I would, I would describe him as a kind of cockroach man. Yeah. But he really haunted my dreams when I was younger and, and someone else that haunted my dreams was like, do you remember Mars Attacks? Yes. Would you remember when um, she like tricks, I can't remember who the actor is, but there's like an, a woman alien and she's like really sexy and then she bites off his finger. Yes, that rings a bell. And it's quite, she's quite like manipulative and she's like a, but, and she sort of manages to disguise her like big, like throbbing alien head with like a wig. And she walks in this really specific, like sort of squid-like way down, <laughs> the, down the road and he's really allured by her. And I even remember watching it when I was younger and I was like, she is really alluring, but she is really manipulative. And um, I clearly am someone who can be very easily manipulated by alluring aliens because I, I find them sort of like weirdly magnetic, but terrifying at the same time. So if I was on a desert island with them, I would be haunted, constantly haunted. And that would make me uh, really scared and angry. I think that's very valid. I mean, I, I think, you know, with all, all these sort of choices that we have on this podcast, I think, you know, the, the way to make it livable for your situation is to try and find a middle ground or some you know you know a lot of people pick like some you know it might be some Piers Morgan type or whatever and you think well you'd have to try and somehow find a middle ground if you're dealing with some sort of alien inhabiting a a human cadaver or (laughs) then it's really hard it's really hard I basically have to kill them I think like yeah that's how I'd have to deal with it I'd have to kill them and I know I already know that I would lose I'm inviting a sort of life and death situation very quickly in the podcast. Like this is, I don't think either of those are someone that you can actually live with on a desert island. It is who I would hate to be on a desert island with, 100%. Mm. But there's no livable situation there because they're, they're coming to kill me. Yeah, yeah. And even if they were just sort of malevolent in a in a non-aggressive way you know you could just imagine waking up and they're just standing over you and they would never actually do anything but you know they don't need to sleep because they're an alien or something it's terrifying like when I was thinking about this task I was like exactly what you say like who specifically like really grinds my gears like 
uh, which sorts of people, apart from the people who had a party last night. And I was like, I don't know if they necessarily, they, they, they would make me like grind my teeth at night because I'd be so on edge. Mm. I'd be like living on edge constantly. Yeah, it's like that feeling of like if you're staying somewhere, maybe on holiday and there's a cockroach in the room and you, you, you lose it, you can't trap it under a glass. You know it's somewhere, but also it's nowhere. And it might have gone, but it might not have. And you've got to go to sleep, but it's there. It's like yeah. a million times that, isn't it? Exactly. I don't know about you, but I ha- I live my life with a constant fear of threat and death. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a quite a big weight of like impending doom. Generally, um, uh, I'm working on it, but it's 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 just you know always been there. I think that's probably why I've chosen this. It's like a manifestation of like what you know actually. You know, it's like a kind of personification of like actually, if I am stranded on desert island, like I'm probably going to die, and like they're just they're just they're just going to make that come around sooner. Because even if yeah, even if they have no ill intentions to you, it's putting you on edge so much that you're probably going to end up killing yourself. Like you'll trip over yeah. a rock and hit your head on yeah. a bigger rock because you get yeah. startled by them. Exactly. You know, it's just like a an awful thing that's there and is going to make you behave in a strange way. It's horrifying. I, I get really scared. I get quite scared easily. Like when I was a child, I would like put my entire du- like I would sleep with like my entire duvet over my head because I was like worried that that like a Victorian child was going to like tickle my feet. And so, <laughs> and so when I was thinking about this, I was like, actually, for me, the worst situation on a desert island would be on living on my own, mm. like being on my own on a desert island because I, I would be my only company and I can create horrendous visuals and like horrendous like things that might happen very quickly so really like me is probably the worst person that I could take to a desert island um because of my like severe sort of like absolutely implausible fears that like I don't know there's going to be a demagogue that's going to come out like that film Castaway that would be like my worst, worst nightmare, worse than being with other people who are kind of mad. Mm. I mean, you can you can pick a version of yourself if you want. I mean, that's allowed. It's, it has happened before. Yeah, I probably well, maybe maybe the cockroach man is a version of myself. <laughs> okay, well, I think it's a very strong start, just because I think I'm all about the interplay of the characters on this, and I think that it's going to be so interesting to see who he has to work with as well as yourself. <laughs> So uh, who's going to be the next person joining you? So I I used to nanny a lot when I was kind of like starting out as an actor and like I did many, many, many jobs. And I used to nanny this little girl who was about seven, I would say. And she was a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> She was such a bitch, but like not in a like badly behaved way, in a way that she found my insecurities and played with them like a cat <laughs> with a mouse. And it was terrifying. Like she she was, oh God, I mean, all of mine are just like weird, scary people. But I feel like children, if they don't like you, have a way of like getting to you so much quicker than an adult. Mm. So much quicker because they're supposed to be sort of innocent. So, that, so I don't know, like my cousin quite recently, she was like, you've got a big spot on your nose. And I was like, yeah, she's right. <laughs> I do have a spot on my nose. And like no other adult would point that out, but she has. 
and it's because they they sort of say what they see yeah so like she would do sort of like really manipulative things like she would be like laughing at everyone else and then she would look across at me and like thin her eyes and like evil me and it was out of control and also her dad used to have like a wall of knives (laughs) 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 he'd have have knives I really hope that they don't listen to it I'm sure she's lovely to now this was years ago but he had like a wall of knives and he used to I mean, this is probably like false memory syndrome, but all I remember the kids eating and he ate was chorizo. (laughs) And like the knives were always like cutting up like bits of chorizo. And there was like chorizo stews and like chorizo in the cupboard. And like all they ate was chorizo. Yeah, she was just terrifying. And she'd just be like, or if I try and make a joke, she'd be like, you're not funny. And I'd be like, oh God. (laughs) She's completely right. She's completely right. But it's like children, I think, find a way of getting to your soul very quickly. So I think a child on a desert island doing that would crush my spirits so quickly that um, I wouldn't know how to how to live. Definitely, yeah. And also we've got the thing of being adults. So we can't just go, they go, well, you've got a spot on your nose. It's like, you're short and unemployed. What, you know, yeah. like you can't... But I find myself doing really underhand stuff like that. Like, do you remember that bit in Bridesmaids where she has that argument with that girl and the girl's like, you're a fucking, you're a loser and you're, you're working in a jewellery shop. And she's like, well, you're a cunt. <laughs> do you remember that bit? And it's so funny. And it's like, that's all I would ever want to do. Just be like, shut the fuck up, you little cunt. And I obviously could never do that. Otherwise, I'd get fired and I needed the money. But that's all you want to say. You're like, well, you don't know anything and shut up. And But my com- comebacks were always awful like she'd be so much better at them than me she was like so clever and also I think that you you feel like kids should just like love you and be grateful for your help and your care and when they're not it's really shocking (laughs) or I find it really shocking because I find kids really sweet and when they're not sweet I'm like I don't know what to do yeah I'm I'm out I'm spent your comebacks to them are still a bit guarded you can't be completely unguarded like they are to you they'll just say I'm going to say everything you know anything I want from the you know the vile pit of my vile little mind but you know you still kind of think well it has to be okay enough that if they repeat it to their parents it's like oh no that was just funny chat yeah you can't be like your haircut's fucking shit and like two years ago you were shitting yourself into a nappy (laughs) like you can't say that the other thing I've just thought is that you know despite this child being horrendous there's probably a part of you that's going to feel like you have to look after them a bit. Exactly, exactly. You know, you've got the weird alien guy, and even though you don't really care if this kid gets eaten or or abducted by the alien guy, you sort of again, you seem like a decent person. You'd probably step in. I'm gonna have to, yeah. I'm gonna have to sort of be a mother to this child that hates me. That's not even mine. Yeah. It's 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 a, a situation I don't want to think about, and you've made me think about it. <laughs> Okay, so we've got Alien Man and and I'm just going to call her the bitch. Yeah, the bitch. <laughs> Who's going to uh, finish off this uh, triumvirate of dicks? Well, I have a few options. These are kind of not necessarily specific people, but I think the, yeah, because I've put like a girl who never looks bad. <laughs> you know, like a, a festival or something, there's always girls that just never look bad, even though they've like, they've slept in a tent for three days. Yeah. And they just always look perfect and their skin's perfect and their hair's perfect and they don't smell. And I'm like the opposite because I'm like disgusting. 
and after three days I should be put in prison when I like <laughs> for how I look when I'm at a festival and I'm like I would get really angry on a desert island if there was a girl who was like perfect yeah just out of jealousy just out of pure jealousy and then my other thought was like someone who invites you over but doesn't cook <laughs> someone who's like come over come over have, you know come over for drinks like we'll have a really lovely time but there's no food <laughs> that's really horrendous but I think my the one that I'm going to put is the broad umbrella is all actors <laughs> but specifically specifically sort of older actors who like to tell anecdotes about jobs they did when they were young <laughs> okay. because I've been around quite a few of them and it is extremely tough <laughs> actors are the, some of the most boring people on earth <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this as an actor myself, but I've never met a group of people who take themselves more seriously, who speak about their craft like it is a profession that is useful in some way and love to tell stories about things that you've never heard of, about people that you've never heard of. And the stories will often go on for up to 20, 25 minutes. I think that would be the worst person on the island to have because they're useless, they have no skills, mm. and they are so boring, and they have an incredibly high opinion of themselves. You know, you just had to see in the pandemic, actually, I'm going to come back to this later with one of my other choices, but the amount of people that were like, my work, my work is very important, and so here I am doing a Zoom monologue to an audience who have paid, and it is irrelevant. <laughs> And I know that like, I know that during the pandemic, there was lots of stuff that was like, yeah, but TV got us all through it. True. But people talking about their craft, I think, actors talking about their craft, actors going up to like accept awards and being like, this is in a very important role. This is incredibly important that I told this story. It's like, you don't need any more praise. You get enough. Now, don't tell me about a version of Hamlet that you did at Haymarket Theatre in 1983. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I haven't met many actors, you know, but yeah, it's just a, very, a real sort of earnest thing. Like, yeah, on CBBS, there's a, a book at bedtime thing, and they get famous people to do it, you know. So I think Tom Hardy did one once, hmm. and he's reading this child's story, but he's is you know he's intense, he's brooding. You're reading a kid's book to kids, it's okay. Like, yeah, the kids don't care. Read them a story in a funny voice. It's wild. I got obsessed with watching like theatre trailers on YouTube, which is basically just where like, you know, a theatre will promote its most recent play and they'll have interviews with the actors and they'll have snippets of the play. And the actors are always like, you know, it's emotional, it's raw, it's evocative, it's the best play you'll ever see. It's wonderful. It's, it's life-changing. And it's like, a fucking play about a dog or something, <laughs> you know, like it, it's so shit and stupid. Also, they're usually about 150 pounds a ticket. <laughs> and it's, it's this like incredibly impenetrable to the general public profession. Yeah. That needs to stop taking yourself so seriously. Because I mean, you can boil it down to the point where you're like, you're just pretending to be people, mate. Yeah. And at the same time, it's incredibly difficult. I imagine sometimes you have to pour your whole heart and soul into it. Probably affects you in your own time when you're really trying to do this challenging character. Yeah. But at the same time, you are just pretending to be someone. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, I look, here comes my here comes my sort of 
balance on the scales voice, being an actor can be hard at times. You know, the lifestyle, for instance, is very, um, you know, there's no security. You're up for, you're up for like scrutiny and judgment a lot. But I'm talking about like a person who is specifically like on stage collecting their award, for instance, or talking in the green room about a job that they did um, or telling you about a play that they're in that is life-changing. Those, those specific people or, or scenarios and they're, they're transported on there's an island and I have to listen to this all the time and there's no let up to like that level of sort of, oh, you've completely disconnected from the real world. Yeah. Like you are talking about this, your craft like it is, yeah, brain surgery. Yeah. I can imagine them sort of mentioning something like, oh, of course, you know, in such and such, when he says that famous line, you go, yeah, I, I know the line, but they recite the whole thing for yeah, you. And exactly. you're like, yeah, you're like, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like when yeah. you're young and you're at a house party and someone starts rapping at you or something and you're like, uh, where do I look? This is awful. <laughs> and that's like, I feel like they were very much the precursors of that sort of awkwardness, you know, 100%. sort of the old actor who wants to like read out a soliloquy from Hamlet or something. Or just be like, I remember uh, it was 1982. I was doing a little version of Othello at the Theatre Royal, Drury Lane, of course. And we had, gosh, uh, the lead part, Ophelia, was played by, you know, and you're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Stop. <laughs> well, no, I think these, these are a really good trio of dicks because, you know, you've got the threat, you've got the, someone who's a pain in the ass, you know, in a sort of actively slagging you off kind of way, but you still have to care for them. And then you've got just the fucking drone of a seasoned <laughs> actor, you know. And I think bouncing between the three of them is going to drive you slowly mad. So I think it's, I think you've done really well on the people. We're going to move on now because mercifully amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favorite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? I'm actually quite a good eater. Like I, I love food and I don't, I find it difficult. You know, like if you ask me what my favorite food was, I, I would find it impossible. So there's not that much stuff that I don't like. I've put like the yolk of an egg, which is disgusting. Octopus, which I find, I don't actually find it disgusting, but I find it really sad mm. to eat. But the one that I, I can't abide is like a trendy sourdough sandwich. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I love sandwiches. It's probably my, my favourite food. But there's something about a trendy sandwich that is like eight or nine pounds that has two like massive, very thick pieces of bread that have tough crusts. Yeah. That has a filling that is usually dry because they haven't put enough sauce in there and will just immediately fall out as soon as you start eating it. And they put some sort of like oil on the bread so it's like wet, but it's also dry. I, honestly, I can't. Like the other day, I was like, I, I had this I have this little office that I sometimes write in, and it's surrounded by like trendy food shops, and everything is like off the scale expensive, and it's all sandwiches. But it, there's no place that you can just get like a bap or like a roll or like a, you know like two pieces of hovis bread cut into triangles with like ham and mayonnaise and mustard and cucumber or like chicken mayonnaise or like tuna mayo. It's all like truffled mushroom with tofu <laughs> or, or sort of, I don't know, pork belly with 
cabbage. Yeah. It, it, it drives me up the wall. When you're making them, doesn't anyone think, this is about three times the thickness. This is so far beyond what a human mouth can stretch to. It's like with burgers and they have to like stick a fucking skewer through it. So like, why is it so tall? Why is all the food so tall now? It's it drives it. And the thickness of the bread is just... And then and with sourdough especially, I, don't, I, I like sourdough, but as toast. Mm. <laughs> but this is like, it's often very holy. Mm. So all of the ingredients like roll through it or fall out yeah it isn't a sandwich bread and i'm just going to say it again it isn't a sandwich bread (laughs) especially when it's that thick (laughs) remember the beginning when i said i wasn't going to get angry oh it's okay you know we'll come out the other end and you'll you'll feel lighter and it'll be cathartic (laughs) maybe i don't know i don't know if people agree with me though because i've tried to have conversations with people and they're like sourdough is delicious and i'm like it's not a sandwich bread yeah baguette fine as long as it's not dry a dry sandwich is my worst nightmare you know when you sometimes go to prep and you get a sandwich and somehow the ingredients have like been pushed down so the first two bites have no ingredients in that's also my worst nightmare a sandwich without enough moisture mayonnaise i don't know any mayonnaise cream cheese sweet chili sauce something in there that's going to be moisturizing it's weird though as well i think with the with these sort of hipster sandwiches that we're talking about they look great. It's Instagram food. Yeah, and they, you know, oh, they've tied it up with some brown paper and string, you know, and that looks great. And then you try and carry it, and it all falls apart, and the, the paper's green. But you know, it it looks nice, but it doesn't work. Yeah, I think I resent. I mean, I suppose this is a desert island, so I'm not paying for food. But I, there's nothing that riles me up more than like when you've paid quite a lot and it's bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's specific to me. I think that's very broad. I find like um, the vegetarian option. I'm not even vegetarian, but I'm like angry for vegetarians because I'm like the vegetarian option is always overpriced. And then you get it and it's like, I don't know, risotto without any flavor or like quinoa or like a very, very wide mushroom. (laughs) Oh, God, I can barely speak on the subject. (laughs) Okay, well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll change tax slightly. What would your drink choice be? What would you try and wash this crap dry sandwich down? So with? I, I've got two choices, but I think the latter is what I'm going to choose. The one I was going to cho- choose was like sort of Starbucks, like gingerbread latte culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, those like very heavy, like creamy, sugary drinks that are not coffee. Because I, I love coffee and I sort of, um, you know, not in a cringe way, but... I, I love a cup. Of, I love a cup of coffee, but when it's when it's modified to the point of you know you can't tell it's coffee anymore because it's got so much cream and sauce and sugar in it. No, on a desert island that would be very very tough for me. I would need like a pure espresso. But the one that I'm going to choose is tequila. Mm, yeah, because tequila is for me a, a, like a great drink to have, a great thing to have in a cocktail, or even when you've had a few drinks and it's just like a shot but neat on its own on a desert island. <laughs> God, it makes me gag. Yeah, yeah. When I was young, I used to really like it. But I think what I liked was the phrase, I'm going to get a tequila. Yeah. It's a cool word, you know. Yeah. Tequila or vodka. This is neat, by the way. I will lap up a cocktail. If there's a mixer there, gimme. But this is this is neat. And it, may, it just, for me, personally... It just makes me gag. Like when someone's like a vodka on the rocks, I'm like, how are you doing that? Yeah. Like a cigarette, you know, like 
I used to smoke. I used to love a cigarette. I would actually, I would actually love a cigarette. Like the thought of having one makes me like, you know, I'm filled with excitement, joy, pleasure. And then I go to have one and I'm like retching. Yeah. I, I'm also really bad because I, every time I see, I watched Band of Brothers, the series recently. Have you ever seen that? I haven't, no. It's brilliant. But anyway, they smoke constantly in that, constantly. These little like, you know, white roll-ups that just look so satisfying and they all look, I'm just such a sucker for the, like I, as soon as I see anyone in a film, an old film with a cigarette, like between their two fingers, just making it look so easy and cool or like one hanging out their lip like that. I'm like, gimme, 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 gimme. And then I go to have one. I'm like, <laughs> well, if you like, we could give you the shot of tequila with a little rolly on the side. Yeah. If that would really That's sort of perfect. be the icing on the alcoholic cake. And like being forced to like smoke and drink first thing in the morning. <laughs> Okay, Ellie, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Yeah, this was also difficult because there are many songs that I hate. You know, that sort of end of a disco type song, like Living on a Prayer, Summer of 69, Mr Brightside, all of them could make the cut. Yeah. I also like, I, I have a specific thing about children's theme tunes becoming like Bob the Builder, for instance, when that, I remember that getting into the, and I used to take the charts when I was a teenager incredibly seriously. Like I would listen to it religiously every Sunday. You remember that? Yeah. And Top of the Pops, I used to watch every week. So when something like that infiltrated in, it just struck me as being like, oh, everyone's thick. It's happened. Everyone's become thick. Like the Teletubbies are number one. It's not, co- like, it's not okay. This is music. This is music. <laughs> I'm going back into the sourdough. <laughs> it's not okay to have a child's theme tune as number one in the charts. Maybe that will be my choice, actually, because I'm getting, I can feel the anger raging. When Bob the Builder was number one, are you having, are you joking? It's a travesty, but I wanted to, maybe I'll choose that. But I also have, I have this really specific thing as well for people who cover songs in like a kind of folky English accent. And they're usually on the John Lewis adverts. And it's like a really slow version of like an Oasis song. Someone singing it in a kind of like very twee sort of like, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> like really like, Pronun- like pronunciating like every syllable and that's hell to me as well yeah yeah like a folksy like cutesy cover of something there was an advert for mcdonald's once which i think was about how it's open all night or something and um do you remember that like dance tune from the 90s like this is the rhythm of the night and it's like a 90s commercial dance tune so it's mm-hmm. you know it's really fast and banging mm-hmm. and they did a breathy cover of that it's like, no. you know and there's a guy he's getting a hamburger for his pregnant wife in the middle of the night and there's like some friends catching up over some coffee after the club and like which no one ever does because it's not america so it's like this is the rhythm of the night <laughs> oh yeah oh lord no, so you can't bad. do that. I also find when people cover Hallelujah, oh god, really toxic. I fucking hate that. <laughs> I find that really toxic. Like um, when they put loads of trills and sort of 
chord changes and frills and shit all over that. That's really tough. But there are a few covers that are really good. Like Rufus Wainwright did a really good cover cover of it. And Jeff Buckley. That's brilliant. Well, you don't need more than three covers of Hallelujah. More recently, I think Alexandra Burke did a cover of it that was just all over the place in terms of showing off her vocal range. And it's like, that song is so beautiful. It doesn't need that. A recurring theme on this podcast is like things that are so close to something that's great, but it's not, you know, so if it's a song you loved, but you just hear the shit version of it. Yeah, it's really, it's really tough. I I, I think I... I found it like my first, I remember my first, like when I was like really riled by a cover and it was Will Young's cover of Light My Fire. Oh man, I had to listen to that recently. Do you know what? I have like a very soft spot for Will Young. I think he's a really lovely person, but that cover was illegal and the video was even more illegal. And there was a bit at the end that I always used to do with my brother and not, he he isn't actually called Jaffet, but Jaffet. (laughs) And because obviously the original is, is one of the best songs ever, but it's like, he goes into this bit where he's like, lied, 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 ooh, ooh, girl, all you gotta do is light my fire, lied, lied, lied. <laughs> and it's like, why? <laughs> Who in the studio was, was going, do you know what? When you did that bit where you went, lied, 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 that's a big tick and we'll keep that in. <laughs> so <laughs> are we going to go with a sort of a shit breathy cover then as, as, as this choice, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think a shit. I think a shit breathy cover, and I and I don't know. Like I should have had one specifically, but I think I'm just going to do broadly. We can have a compilation, like a now that's what I call shit breathy covers used on adverts '98. Yeah, yeah, or or the Imagine song they sang in the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, god. That was a a nightmare from hell, but also kind of amazing, quite inspirational to <laughs> to like material. And when you saw, you know, keep going through them, and then it was like. Oh, not you. I respected you. I know. And then when I saw Kristen Wiig, I was like, girl. Yeah, come on. You're funny. Um, Well, we've sort of moved on to talking about film stars. This is my segue. It's a bit clunky, but uh, what would your film choice be? My film is going to be, and I'm going to say this quite decisively because I've got a couple of other options, but I feel like I'm just being so indecisive. It's The Hobbit. Yes, okay. Because Lord of the Rings is probably the trilogy Peter Jackson trilogy is probably up there with like my all-time favorite films. Okay. And so when I heard that they were making The Hobbit into a trilogy, I already despaired. Like, as this podcast gets on, I'm getting angrier and angrier. Is that normal? Yeah, it does happen. But it's like it's not funny anymore. It's just like my hand has bashed the table <laughs> in a kind of like blade shape about 18 times. Um the book is like a family romp, mm. you know, like it's a, it's silly because the Lord of the Rings is an epic trilogy. Like it is an epic story that you would just make into three films. But The Hobbit is like a kind of like a family romp, basically. Like it's quite silly. It has loads of like fun, sort of stupid bits in it. And the characters are kind of sillier in a way. And then they've tried to make it into this like three film, like cash cow epic there's loads of cgi in it which lord of the rings doesn't have that much of so it completely ruins it and it's just bad it's just a bad 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 baby of a film (laughs) i just wish in so many areas of the world people went do you know what that was really good and i think we'll leave it there and just be happy that we did well the thing is is that i'm not like a massive fan of fantasy 
Like, I never watched Game of Thrones or anything like that. But, but I loved the books of The Lord of the Rings, and I think it's an amazing story. Like, the story is incredible, and it's just like, you know, a classic tale of, like, good versus evil, essentially. And it's epic. Mm. And, and the film doesn't go too far that you feel like it's a real world, like you totally believe in it. And I think that's probably because there's not that much CGI. There is obviously a lot of it, but it's not too much of it. And then when stuff gets into like the fantastical, like CGI, you know, world, I'm like, I'm out, I'm gone. I don't believe this anymore. This can, this isn't real. Yeah. This isn't real. Like I think with fantasy, like when you, when I read like the Harry Potter books originally, I was like, this could be real. This could be like a real world. Like I might get a letter that says I'm a witch and I'm going to Hogwarts. And it's like, you have to believe like, well, are you an elf? Are you a, are you a man? Are you a dwarf? Like, I want to be part of that world. With The Hobbit, it's like, I don't want to be any of you because you're not real. <laughs> oh, God, I need to calm down. <laughs> okay, well, look, I think it's a, a solid choice. And we're, we're on to the last section now, which will relieve you, because finally the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? <sighs> I'm a spider-phobe. That's not what you call it. What is it? Arachnophobic. Arachnophobic. And there is a type of spider called a camel spider. Mm. Please look it up. Okay. Let's have a look. It is fucked. (laughs) It is absolutely disgusting. I've never seen anything like it. Number one, they're huge. They look like sort of ant, scorpion. They're like a hybrid between like an ant, a scorpion, and like a th- it has like oh, and they're thick big legs. as well. Like there's a picture of someone holding it, and it's the size of a hand, an adult hand. Yeah, it's it's fucked. That is fucked. Like imagine if they were overrun on an island. Oof. Oh god, yeah, that's really bad. And and there's a picture of someone's hand with a big thing in it, so it looks like they can easily kill you and detach bits of themselves in you. They've got big jaws. It looks a bit like. A scorpion and a tarantula had a baby. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know what? I don't even dislike spiders, but I'm going to have to shut this browser window quick shot. No, it makes... I, I looked it up again this morning and I got like shivers like across my body, like just straight away. But I think the thing is, is that I I love watching insects. Like I'm I'm kind of obsessed with them in, in, in like a... Like I spent quite a lot of the pandemic watching like videos about insects and... If, if they're at a safe distance, I'm, like, fascinated by them. But anything that has to be on me or near me or around me, I'm like, get gone. Get gone. <laughs> so that, or, like, some sort of parasite would be awful, like a bot fly that, like, made its way into your ear and, like, laid its eggs in there. That's a horrific thought. Oh, that is awful. Yeah, there's always that thing when you've got an itchy ear or something and you're like, is this a normal thing? Remember those stories of, like, people who were like, oh, God, I... You know, I had some, I had like a little pain in my ear and it was fine. I lived with it. And then eventually it just got really bad. And I went to the doctor and there was a wasp's nest in my ear. <laughs> and you're like, how? <laughs> how have you been living with that inside you? Or like tapeworms. Oh, man, yeah. Or like parasites. And they grow to like 16 feet inside your body. I was listening to a podcast and someone mentioned something about a parasite and sushi and I couldn't eat sushi for about six months. I'm not even a squeamish person, but it was like, and I work in the media. For, so for me to not eat sushi for that long is, you know, it's, it's difficult. You know? Yeah. You're gobbling up the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be really, really hard, I think. And I don't think there's any disputing that really. I feel like a couple of my choices, like the sourdough bread, I think I, ha- I would, I can imagine people being like, what? 
sourdough sandwiches are lovely. I don't know why that accent would be like, would be someone who loves sourdough. But this, I'm like, oh no, this is objectively bad. This is objectively really, really bad. This is bad. We're in a bad situation here. Yeah, I agree. That thing that I just looked at was horrendous and I would freak the fuck out if I had to deal with that. Weirdly, know. I really like snakes. Mm. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to be bitten by a snake. I'm not like, I'm not like, too keen on the idea of, of like being in a pit of wild snakes. No. But no. when this, when one's tame and it's, you know, not going to bite me, I love it. Uh, I, you know, I, I think snakes get a bad rep. And I think that's because of the Bible. And it's not the only thing I take issue with in the Bible. <laughs> no, I love the Bible. I love the Bible. Of course you do. We all love the Bible. <laughs> yeah. So there's some great stuff in it. <laughs> Ellie, you know what? It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Oh, it's been great. It's been really fun. I've got so angry. And I'm actually like, when you said it would be cathartic, I feel better. You do? Oh, good. Well, look, let's distract people by telling them all about the wonderful things you've been in. So on iPlayer right now, you can see your your show with Tash Dimitriou, Mm -hmm. which is brilliant. And I would have said that to other people had you not been here because I genuinely have really enjoyed it. Oh, that's lovely to hear. Thank you. And then where, where's the best place to sort of keep up to date with what you're up to? What is this to the listeners, like where they can see what I'm doing? Mm. Well, I'll tell them it's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely nothing. The show came out. I've got nothing else on. And uh, I don't know when I'm going to work next. So good luck to me. <laughs> well that seems a fitting point to end this podcast on but ellie it really has been an absolute pleasure thanks for being a guest on desert island dicks it's a pleasure so there you go that was desert island dicks with ellie white there and i hope you enjoyed it Desert Island X has been a sync clap production created by James Deacon, produced and presented by me, Dan Benedictus, edited by Chris Attaway. And we get social media support from Jason Leach and Chintzy Clinton. And a big shout to John Deacon, as always. That's about it from us. We'll be back with another stunning guest next week. So please uh, subscribe and then it will just go straight to your phone or your computer or wherever you listen to it. And um, we will be eternally grateful. So thanks for listening. Bye.